0: Thank you very much. You may be seated. Got to get acclimated a minute. I'm always out there, not up here. So figure out where everything's at. Where's Chandler? Let's get this out of the way. There he is. His mother told me not to embarrass him. Sorry, going to embarrass you. He's on his fourth year and he's not married. And he's not allowed to come home. And so I don't know if this is the time for this, but I'm going to share this information. You've heard of Costco clubs and the Kirkland brand, right? We don't tell this to everybody, but Chandler is the sole heir to the Kirkland fortune. And so I stand here today offering you, young ladies, a lifetime of peanut butter. (laughs) That's what I have. (laughs) But it's a lot of peanut butter. There's creamy and there's chunky peanut butter. So that's silver and gold have I none. Open your Bibles with me this morning, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I want to give a shout-out to the young men from our church, Brother Colin and Ty and uh, Mason. Mason has a nickname I'm not allowed to tell you, unless you ask me after chapel. (laughs) Where's Leilani? Leilani. Hey, we're so glad you got saved all those years ago, Leilani. Uh, She was in our church in Los Angeles. Her grandfather is probably my best friend ever, and so it's good to see her this morning as well. This morning we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and the message that God has given to me is entitled The Heaviest Thing That You Carry. The Heaviest Thing That You Carry, and I appreciate the special music this morning. It really confirmed the message that God has laid on my heart. Uh, you know as a pastor, I'll, I'll let you know on a secret You come to chapel and you really want to look good in front of students Because you've been sitting uh, in classes and you've been taking notes and and you're very sharp uh, And at my age, you know I've got a lot of knives in the drawer, but but most of them are kind of dull at this point point. And so you'll want to look good for the student body. You don't you don't want to say anything foolish and so uh, more importantly than that though I I want to be a blessing to you I want to give you the Word of God that you can take with you and so this morning the heaviest thing that you carry now I'm going to make three broad statements three very broad statements and then I'm going to clarify them throughout my message but this morning here are the three statements number one I believe that we all want to be known we all want to be known number two We all want freedom to be ourselves. We want freedom to be ourselves. And number three, I believe we all have a fear of rejection. We have a fear of rejection. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. God created us to shine. Now, I'm not talking about being prideful or boastful, but I am saying this morning that God created you for a purpose, and his purpose was to reveal his glory in you to a dark and dying world. But then John goes on to remind us in John chapter 3 and verse 19 that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. You see, we want to shine. We want to be the best that we can possibly be, but we have this fear of rejection. Every person in this room this morning, myself included, carries something very heavy. And I'm going to define my term for you. That term is shame. 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 Here's how I define it. The soul-deep belief that something is horribly wrong with me that is not wrong with anyone else in the entire world. You see, that's the heaviest thing you carry in life is shame. And I don't know what your shame is. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you carry. But I am certain this morning that you carry it. And my job this morning, my my challenge, is to help you lighten that load. God never intended you to carry that shame. God never intends for you to live with that shame. God wants you to shine. And so I asked you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, the great theologians among us this morning understand that 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is that great chapter of the Bible that gives us the outline, the the doctrine of the resurrection of Christ. But if you back up to chapter 14, Paul is, is instructing the church on speaking in tongues. And those great verses there at the end of chapter 14 where he says that God is not the author of confusion. And then he says that all things should be done decently and in order in the church. And then chapter 15 begins by him declaring unto us that gospel. And he tells us how Christ was crucified and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And then he begins to parade out for us this great cloud of witnesses, all of those who who saw Christ on that resurrection morning. And then Paul comes to verse 7, and that's where I want us this morning. Excuse me, verse 8. Because Paul does something here before he breaks out into the resurrection. Paul lets us in on a little secret. I think it's something that Paul carried with him for a very long time, and I don't know that Paul meant to reveal so much. I I can't question him. One day when we get to heaven, maybe I'll have a chance to talk with him. But Paul says something here in verse 8 and verse 9 that reveals himself in a very real way, a very dangerous way. Because after all, When I mention the Apostle Paul, we all have an idea of who he is and what he was like and and what he was about. And and we would take up his defense if anybody dared to slander him. But I see something in these verses, and I want to share it with you this morning. In verse 8, after listing all of these great witnesses to the resurrection, resurrection, Paul says, And last of all, he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time, for I am the least of the apostles— That I'm not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Now, don't forget, this is the great theologian who is about to explain to us the importance and the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that great doctrine that we hold so dear. But in this moment, Paul mentions something, and maybe he just meant it in passing, but here it is recorded on the pages of Scripture. And we get to look at it, and we get to apply it to our lives. Notice the phrasings that he uses, and last of all. He's he's behind Peter and James and the apostles. And last of all, and the least of. He says, I am one born out of due time. I'm going to come back to that statement in a moment. But he goes on to say, I am not meet. I am not fit to be called an apostle. I don't know about you, but as a young Christian, I was always intimidated by Paul because he was always right. I was, I was more of a, a, a Peter guy, right? Peter, open mouth, insert foot. That's me. I can identify with that. Oh, no, Lord, I'll follow you even unto death. And then he's out there by the fire warming himself, right? Right. Who can't identify with Peter? But Paul, Paul is the guy who stood up in church. He tells us about it there in his letter to Galatians and says, I confronted Peter to his face. I I used to get so mad at that because, Paul, who do you think you are? I mean, Peter was there. Peter walked on water. And I used to want to take up Peter's defense. And I had a problem with Paul until I saw this. And I began to understand that, that Paul was a human being. Paul walked around in flesh, just like all of us. That phrase that I said I'd come back to, he says uh, he, he, he identified himself as of one born out of due time. Now, I've studied that. I've looked at that. I, I know what Schofield said about it. And, and frankly, uh, I disagree with Schofield. Now, don't be impressed by that. Uh, but I disagree with Schofield's notes there. Paul says, I'm one born out of due time. Uh, The idea that I'm led to believe here is that 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 phrasing, that word, refers to an unwanted pregnancy. It could even refer to an abortion, if I could be so bold. You see, Paul is not standing here declaring his greatness for us. He's saying, I don't fit. I don't look like they look. I don't sound like they sound. I don't have the the pedigree that the apostles had. I didn't walk with Jesus Christ. And so Paul is letting us in on a little insight. Let me remind you who Paul was. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 3, it says that Saul, uh, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. That word hailing means dragging. Saul, before he became the great apostle Paul, went into homes and drugged people out and committed them to prison. In Acts chapter 9, verse 1, it says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. Listen to the verses men and women, committing them to prison, committing them to a death sentence. In Acts chapter 22, in verse 4, it says, And I persecuted this way. Paul is speaking personally now in his testimony. I persecuted this way unto death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. In Acts chapter 26 and verse 10, he said, Many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I gave my very voice against them. You see, this is the man who says, I'm not worthy. I was the least of them. I'm not fit. I was born out of due time. I I shouldn't even be here. Because he was a man who led people to their deaths. Let me make another bold statement, and I hope it it rings true with you today. I hope you can carry this with you. I believe that Paul had peace with God. I believe that Paul was saved. He said in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The same man that wrote that, I believe this morning, had peace with God. But let me say this, I think it took a long time for him to have peace with Paul. It took him a long time to be at peace with who he was. And some of you this morning are walking around with great shame, and nobody knows it. I'm not here to tell you that it shows on your face. I'm not telling you that I have any suspicions of my own. I simply know where I've walked. And I know my life some of you today are dealing with things and carrying things and and you thought maybe coming to Bible College traveling halfway across the country leaving home and leaving folks that that knew you behind would take care of that and yet here you are it took Paul a long time to have peace with who he was who he had been and so I want you to look with me to verse 10, because if, if we left it there, we would be miserable. It's not enough for me to stand up here this morning and define my term and tell you what shame means. If I cannot take you to the Word of God and give you hope and tell you that, that a better day is coming, then I have, I have not done my responsibility. Paul says in verse 10, and verse 10 is my text this morning, he says, but by the grace of God... I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. This morning, I want to take this verse. I want to break it apart for you for just a moment. And I want you to see the steps that Paul shares with us. Remember, he's about to talk about resurrection. Let's don't rush by this. This this little verse that maybe you've seen and never applied to yourself, apply it to you today. The first thing I want you to see here in verse 10 is acceptance of self. Acceptance of self. He says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I don't know if you write in your Bibles. I always encourage folks to write in their Bibles as a way to remind you later on when you come back to this verse that this passage meant something to you, that that it spoke to you in this moment. Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Now, please understand, I'm not talking about pride. I'm not talking about self-improvement. I'm not talking about reading all of the latest bestsellers and figuring out, you know, what Oprah wants for your life. Is she still a thing? I don't even know. Uh, Is she still important? Uh, Not that she was ever important, but anyway. I'm not talking about pride this morning. Paul says it's grace. It is grace and grace alone that makes me who I am. I am what I am. In your notes, write this, no excuses, no explanations. No excuses, no explanations. Now, let's think for a moment about your shame. I'm not going to call it out. We're not going to put it on a screen. Wouldn't that terrify you? I mean, we live in a world where everybody is famous for 15 minutes, they are on YouTube or they are tick or ding-donging or whatever it is you kids do today. And they are putting their life out there, and there's no shame, there's no humiliation, there's none of that. I am not talking about that. I'm talking about a blood-bought child of God who walks into a building such as this and looks around at all the pretty, perfect people and realizes instantly that you are not one of them. You don't have it all together. You're faking it. You're going to class. You're getting the grades. You're walking the walk and talking the talk. But you look in the mirror and you know there's something there. And it terrifies you that one day somebody's going to find out. Somebody's going to find out about your past and what you did. They're going to find out that you had a a police record. They're going to find out that you're a victim of abuse. They're going to find out that, that you still have an addiction. And oh, the fear that overcomes you when that comes out. And I'm telling you today, you've got to come to grips with who you are. Paul says it's grace. Paul says, I'm saved. I I was delivered from that life. I did all of those things, but it's by the grace of God that I am what I am. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 20, he said, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Listen to this, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Can I remind you of something this morning? I'm speaking to those, and I I believe you're saved. And if you're not saved, uh, no doubt you have heard the plan of salvation at least once this week or this month. And so I'm, I'm going to assume that I'm speaking to saved people. But can I remind you of something this morning? You weren't always saved. And you weren't perfect when Christ found you. He didn't, he didn't find you and, and accept you for who you were. No, no. He saved you and he brought you up out of that. And where your sin abounded, his grace did much more abound. And so I want you to wrap your mind, I want you to wrap your heart around this phrase this morning. By the grace of God, I am what I am. I want you to imagine for a moment how freeing that is. I remember that moment came in my life. Now, I've had a couple of those moments, but that moment came in my life in 2009, very recently in my lifetime. 2009, I was scheduled to preach at a preacher's uh, fellowship in Palm Springs, California. And the guy that preached before me, he he got up, and, and I'm not even kidding you. This guy was about 10 years younger than me. He was better looking than me but I had better hair. That was the only thing I had going. And he brought a stack of books, and he began to explain the, the Hebrew and the Greek, and I found out that he was in the middle of, of doing his master's program. And he preached, and the whole time he's preaching, I'm, I'm sitting back there, and I'm feeling guilty, and I'm, I'm honest. I'm looking at my notes going, this is, this is rubbish. And I began to toss and turn and fidget, And I began to apologize to God and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm not going to be nearly as good as that guy. And God brought me under such conviction that day. God reminded me that he called me to do a job. God called me to deliver a message. And he didn't call me to be that guy. He called me to be this guy. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. And so in that new boldness, I stood up. And, and as I began to walk, as they were introducing me, I was walking to the front, and, and, and I carry breath mints. You, you do that, right? You know, preachers, you know you're supposed to carry breath mints. Well, I had forgotten them that day. And so I'd stopped at a convenience store in Palm Springs, and I bought a different brand. They were Altoids. And I'd never had one before. And I'm halfway down the aisle with my newfound boldness in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I put one of those altoids in my mouth, and it was breathtaking. (laughs) And I stood up after that great introduction, and I got up there, and and I opened my mouth, and I said, thank you. (laughs) And my boldness left me. But I preached, and I got through it, And I preached again, and I preached again, and by the grace of God, I am what I am. The psalmist said in Psalm 39 in verse 4, Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days, what it is, that I may know how frail I am. That's a great verse. That is a great devotional verse. God, help me to know how frail I am. We need that. We need a reminder of that every so often. But, you know, if that's all you're focusing on is how frail you are, then you're never going to look up. You're never going to be free. You're never going to step in front of people and have the, the assurance that, that by the grace of God, you are what you are. It is, it is awesome to know that I am who God made me to be today. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7, in whom we have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. I remember when Channa was born and I began to pray over that young man and began to pray for him to be saved and, and for his life and for his friends. And I don't know if you know it or not. I've been praying for you for years because I wanted God TO LET MY SON GROW UP AND HAVE CONFIDENCE AND HAVE COURAGE. I'LL NEVER FORGET, I'M GOING TO EMBARRASS YOU AGAIN, JUST SO YOU KNOW, WHEN WE FOUND OUT THAT HIS MOTHER WAS was GOING TO GIVE BIRTH, I PRAYED, AND I PRAYED THIS GREAT SPIRITUAL PRAYER, OH, GOD, DON'T LET HIM BE A DUD. I wanted him to have the assurance of his salvation. I wanted him to walk through life and look people in the eye and know that he was a child of God. And I wanted him to have that freedom. I want you to have that freedom. I don't want you to have to walk with your head down and wonder who's going to find out and what will they say and what will they do. I've counseled plenty of marriages that that live with that kind of fear. I've counseled plenty of Christians who never enjoy the victory of their salvation because they've never learned that by the grace of God, I am what I am. Second of all, I want you to understand the assurance of security. The assurance of security. Uh, There again in verse 10, Paul says, "...and His grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain." His grace, which was bestowed upon me. Paul carries on this, this great theme of grace. And I want you to look at the word bestow. The word bestow as it's used there, the, the Greek, is, is it means to assign, to give, to lavish upon. Paul understood that he didn't get a little bit of grace. God poured out his grace upon him. But you know what I find interesting about this word? It's it's the way the King James translators translated it. It's that word bestowed. Now, we don't use that word. It's an old English word. It means to find a place for, to give a home to something. It's a word that would have been used for those that would load up a ship, You see, you would take the supplies onto that ship and you would find a place to store those supplies because you would be going out to sea and you would be gone for days and weeks and months. And everything that you would need in life to get you through that journey, you would have to take with you. And you don't know what the conditions are going to be. You don't know how the waves are going to roll and you don't know when the wind will stop blowing and you will be stuck And so you want to make sure that you take everything you need on your journey. That's the word the King James translators chose for Paul. He says, his grace was bestowed upon me. You see, Paul was going on a great journey. Paul, the apostle of the the Gentiles, Paul, who had been given this great ministry, knew that everything he needed, he'd have to take with him. And everything he needed was the grace of god paul had this assurance of security he understood that everything he needed had already been provided later in his life paul would pray three times that god would remove the thorn in his flesh and god would remind him in second corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9 god said unto me my grace is sufficient for thee For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Can I tell you, can I remind you this morning? You're living in fear of what people will do when they find out what your great shame is. When they find out what happened to you in life, the the choices that you made, the the record that you've acquired, you live in fear of what they're going to do. You're going to lose friends. People who said they loved you are no longer gonna love you. They're gonna they're gonna look at you differently. And that terrifies you. But can I remind you this morning? The one who loves you the most already knows. And he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I know it's a great big world. I know it's terrifying to think that that people might find out, and and even worse they would tell someone else. Even worse, it would be displayed on the Internet for all the world to see. But Paul had this great assurance that the one who who loved him and gave himself for me would never leave him and would never forsake him. The one that loves you the most already knows. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. You have grace today. You have the assurance that the one who saved you is never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. He's he's called you. That's why you're here. Faithful is he who has called you who also will do it. Do you know what it's like to stand in a pulpit week after week and know that you can't hide? We pray as preachers, we pray, God, hide me behind the cross. Very often I do that because I know what needs to be hidden. Very often it's not humility. Oh, God, hide me behind the cross. I, I'd like for you to believe that, but all too often I want to be hid behind the cross because I know what there is to hide in this old body, and in this old life. I know what it's like to look at my son and hope he never finds out the man I am. I know what it's like to look at my wife and hold her hand and hope that she never, after 32 years of marriage, finds out the real guy she married. I know what it's like to go to a deacon's meeting and hope and pray that those guys never find out I'm the guy they hired. I understand that. Paul had an assurance of security. And finally, number three, all of this should result in an abundance of service, an abundance of service. Paul goes on there, and he says something very strange. He says, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Do you ever read the life of Paul? Can you appreciate that, that everywhere he went, people judged him? He was constantly having to defend his testimony and his ministry, and, and there was always that, that person that, that was there. And, and, and maybe they even came up to him and said, you know, you, you killed my grandmother. I remember when you were Saul. Remember when Paul got saved and they brought him into the church, and guys like Barnabas had to, had to bring him in and introduce him to the people that he had been persecuting? And Paul says, I labored more abundantly. Remember, uh, when Jesus forgave that woman of all of her sins and he reminded us that those who would be the most grateful are the ones who have had the most forgiven. You see, that's what Paul's talking about here. Once he understood that grace, once he understood that by the grace of God, I am what I am and God's grace was bestowed upon me for the journey and and it's there for me to utilize in any given situation, Paul says it's because of that that I labored more abundantly than they all. Now, again, this is not pride. Paul is not standing there going, look, I'm not Peter. I didn't do what Peter did. Look, I'm not Barnabas. I didn't get all turned sideways and, and, and get caught up in family matters. Paul didn't go and talk about James and talk about John and, and, and compare himself. In fact, Paul would be the one to say, it's not wise for us to compare ourselves amongst the number. Paul would say, I just worked harder. Not because I had to earn grace. Grace was already there. I worked harder for the simple fact that I didn't deserve grace. It was the grace of God, not me, but the grace of God, which was with me. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8, he said, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9, for we are laborers together with God, ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building, according to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder. I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth upon. Paul said in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Students today, I just want you to know that you are who you are Because of God's grace You look the way you look because God wanted you to look that way Your family background he knew all about that He knew about your mom and your dad and your family history God wasn't preoccupied with your economic background God's not so burdened down by your ability or disability to learn, to hold on to information, that he can't use you. God is not looking over a crowd like this and trying to find the pretty people and the smart people. God's looking for available people who understand it's his grace and his grace alone that is going to sustain them. Skip down one more verse and I'll finish. Skip down to verse 57. He goes on and he talks about resurrection and, and, and gets us all excited about that. And then he comes to verse 57. And just to kind of catch his breath and, and, and maybe just stand there a moment, basking in that grace, he says this in verse 57. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. My prayer for you today is this, that you have the victory, that something changes because of this message today that lets you walk in victory, that that lets you lift your head up and make eye contact with people, that lets you have a, a boldness to share the gospel With those who do not have the hope that you have, that lets you walk a little bit lighter, that lets you relax in the presence of a crowd a a, a little bit more. Because by the grace of God, you are exactly who you're supposed to be. Now, I'm not saying don't grow in grace, I'm not saying don't don't learn and, and become better Christians and better servants. Paul said, I work harder. But oh, today, if you could grasp this, by the grace of God, I am what I am.